Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello and welcome to the 10th episode of the Prep to Pro NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Ben Pfeiffer, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Max Carlin. Max, how's it going? Doing all right, Ben. How are you? I'm doing all right. So so on this episode, we're going to talk about a couple things. Um, briefly, we're just going to go over some news um, in the draft world and some declaration news, things like that. So Max, why don't you start, start us off with what's going on? Yeah, so a few bigger name declarations have, have come through. There was Jemias Ramsey, I think it was today. Um, Alexei Pokashevsky, notably. Kareem Maine, a guy that, that um, uh, Draft Express keeps trying to make a thing who's not really a thing. Um, I think McCurr McCurr, I think is how you pronounce it, also uh, enter his name into the, uh, into the waters. Uh, I mean, to touch on these guys briefly, especially the ones that people haven't really seen probably, which would be Maine, Pokashevsky, and and uh, McCurr. Um, I guess we'll, we'll start with the two who are kind of fake prospects. Uh, so Maine is like an old guard from Canada who is bursty and pretty much bad at everything else. Like he can't really shoot he's a poor decision maker like the the FIBA tournament that draft express like keeps holding up is the tournament that he exploded in and and you know became a real thing and he he wasn't even that good and then I think word was that when he had that um he had some sort of like showcase that he played at this year some prep showcase and basically in front of the entire NBA and word was that he was not good in that because he's he's not really a prospect uh I definitely wouldn't draft him uh, I don't know if you, Ben, do you have any Kareem Maine thoughts? Yeah, Maine turns twenty um in May, so quite old for the class. Um, considering he'd be a freshman, um, below freshman age, because because just based on where he is. But yeah, Maine not not very much of a prospect. Um, incredibly quick. Um, but doesn't do much. Do, doesn't do very much of else. Doesn't do very much else well. Um, regards to shooting or or decision making or important things for guard prospects. So yeah, Maine is is not very much of a prospect. Yeah, and then McCurr is the classic sort of perimeter flashes big who gets underrated overrated at lower levels. Uh he kind of reminds me of like a much worse version of Nick Claxton in that the concern with Claxton is that yeah, he had like these kind of flashy things where he would bring the ball up but like the whole initiating thing wasn't very functional and obviously wasn't something he was going to do in the NBA and he wasn't actually a good enough shooter. And then the big man things were pretty questionable with him. Like, could he defend the interior? Um, 
And I think all of that applies for McCurr, except he's not nearly as smart as Claxton. I think the shooting is probably farther along in that, like, there are actually some interesting shooting flashes with him where he has some even some, like, off-movement moments. Um, but for him, the the creation is totally fake. Like, he'll bring the ball up sometime, but sometimes, but then any pressure into his handle whatsoever, he completely crumbles. Um like again, I think not that real of a prospect. Probably more so than Maine, just because finding guys who uh, can kind of shoot like that at that size is a little rare. But um, I think it was a top five RSCI guy for his class, uh, and that was just like complete nonsense. Yeah, Maker is the classic uh, big who brings the ball up and gets overrated because of that big. Um, I just think of in basically all the games you watch, you'll, you'll, you'll hear the announcers gawk every time he touches the ball that he's six foot 10 and is dribbling the ball before. And that's really the appeal with makers. I mean, th- that, that he can, that he's big and can dribble the ball before, but, uh, talking about functional skill, he's really just not functional in any, in any of these areas and is likely not going to be a, a useful NBA player anytime soon if ever yeah and then without going too in depth on not 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 really much excitement around him yeah without going too in depth on pokashevsky uh because we've talked about him some in the past and i'm sure we'll talk about him more in the future but he is a, a very real prospect of course played mostly greek second division this year which is a really low level of competition um and and like i know people will say that that's the level Giannis was playing at but you know, Gian- Giannis is, is once in a lifetime as a developmental story. Um, but Pogoshevsky has like very real instincts, um, and some of the shot functionality he shows for a seven footer is really ridiculous. Uh, flashing off the dribble, flashing off movement, um, and he can like kind of handle at least very much in the open court. Doesn't really have the athleticism to pressure the rim in the half court, but in the open court can definitely handle as a very creative and, and good passer. Um, I I'm less in on him on account of on a, like a possession by possession basis. I think there are a lot of problems with his defense. Like technically he's very, very flawed. So while he is kind of like a, a f- bit of a freakish mover at that size, he can't really harness it just cause he like doesn't slide and doesn't really try and just like floats around kind of aimlessly. He seems to just generally have like, not the best mentality. Um, and then offensively in the half court, like I mentioned, just not much of an athlete. Uh, and so while I think that if the the shooting comes out where it could, he'll he'll probably be a pretty good player. But I, I don't really buy the the creation equity that a lot a lot of people see in him and you know are placing him in it as a lottery or top ten guy because of that. Uh, nonetheless, a, a very real and good prospect. Yeah, like you said, the shooting, if it's good, he's probably going to be a pretty good player. But on the other end of that, if he doesn't shoot, he's probably not an NBA player. Exactly. And the jury is still out on whether he shoots or not because the mechanics, while they're they're smooth enough for his size, there are still some concern there. And his free throw numbers have never been very good. So he's certainly not a lock to shoot. And if he doesn't shoot, um, he's probably not an NBA player. So those yeah. are – Well, I mean, what I'll say for the shooting is that it's like – it's not too bad, I don't think. It's his upper body is fairly inconsistent, and he like never holds a follow through. But um, I think that he there's even with bad free throw numbers, I think there's a fair amount of reason for optimism with him as a shooter. Uh, in which case, he'll he'll probably be an NBA player. It's just like I, I find him weird, definitely from like a mentality standpoint, uh, and just like so much to iron out 
technique wise on defense, but he's a, he's an instinctual seven footer who has movement capabilities and shows legitimate shooting versatility. I mean, that that's, that's a, an interesting prospect. Yeah. So those are the main guys who have declared recently. Uh, Precious Achua also declared, who we've talked about plenty on this podcast. Um, Joe, Iowa for, sophomore Joe Wieskamp announced his return. So there's not too many guys who we're still waiting on. Um, the deadline being tomorrow night, I believe. That's um, just to declare, though. That's not it, yes, that's not to yes. draw. Deadline to put to to put to put their names in, which most people, m- many prospects will do anyways, just to get feedback before returning. Most of the notable guys have done anyway. I think the only guys who were still waiting that might um, maybe Aaron Henry, who I'm not really sure if he declares just because his situation at Michigan State with his relationship with Izzo isn't the greatest. And then he's the only guy I really thought of that we're, I'd still be waiting on who wouldn't declare. Is there anyone else you can think of that might be declaring? Um, I can't. I, none really come to mind that haven't declared just because most guys tend to put their names in. But um, one thing that's certainly clear, you just like removing the guys from, from your board who have already announced their intentions to stay like Keontae Johnson, Miles McBride types. Um, it just brings into like stark relief. Like it, it just, it shows really clearly how bad this class is. Cause once, once you have these guys that like never really you know, their stocks never really took off and they just elected to stay in school. Once, once you have those guys removed from your rankings, it, what I think seemed to be a strength of this class in depth kind of vanishes and you realize that this just isn't a good class. Um, and I mean, of course that happens every year that, that you remove guys and, and the depth dissipates, but I mean, I, I just can't like I have a hard time even thinking of of any strengths for this class because like a lot of the like very fringy initiator bets even that we like like DJ Carton like I mentioned Miles McBride like they're staying in school um, and it's just there's just not a lot of appeal in this class. Yeah, it's really not great. Uh, uh, even lots of the like the more mid mid round wings like Keontae Johnson, Romeo Weems, guys like that aren't going to be around. So the depth of that position is shot. It, it's really really stark. Oh, I guess Weems, Weems is a guy. Oh. Has he announced that he's staying yet? Because he could still declare. So. Yeah, yeah, he could declare, but I don't. I mean, there hasn't really been much buzz around him. I I think I heard yeah. something at some point that he might, but I I'm not sure if he does. I mean, obviously, we'll find out uh, at some point. Not so, that he's like, someone someday, that. But. Not that he's someone that would necessarily thrive in a workout setting, um, because I think he is more of a team construct player, but. I think he's probably someone that loses out from the whole workout situation being up in the air because if he could even like get in front of front offices and demonstrate that he can shoot better than he did at, at DePaul, you know, perhaps that would entice someone to draft him. Uh, so I think that he's probably a loser of the whole uh, situation going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely someone that could be a breakout player next year if he takes on a larger offensive role. Uh, and someone that like I would I'd definitely draft this year like in the first round if if I could yeah. promise him in the late twenties and get him to come out I I absolutely would I think he's a really yeah. good prospect absolutely and the only little bit of news is um, Greg Brown um, for, uh, five star uh, power forward played with Cade Cunningham in AAU he committed to Texas 
um, this week over um, speculation that he was going to join Isaiah Todd and Jalen Green in the G League. So he's going to go play at Texas um, in that program that has produced like a couple of five stars recently, um, Bomba, but still um, kind of interested that he decided not to pick the G League um, when he got quite a good offer. Yeah, it's and a I'm shame because it is quite a shame. He's he's a freak vertical athlete, and just Greg Brown and Jalen Green on the same team would have been really really fun. Like they would have been two of the greatest vertical athletes to be teammates ever. Um, they're like they're both that good uh, as yeah. vertical athletes. Uh, so it's a shame, but uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing yeah. seeing Greg Brown next year. Yeah. yeah, Brown is super freaky athletic. Um, uh, him and Cade Cunningham were a match made in heaven, and him oh, and Jalen yeah. Green would be so much fun for a different reason. But yeah, he, he's he's going to Texas next year. I believe he's like one of the last 2021 guys who who just committed, and like or, or at least one of the last top guys who for the 2021 draft. We we know where they're going now. So yeah, so uh, probably won't be the longest episode we've done, um, but we were just gonna do a bit of a fun one today uh discuss our favorite players in the class i know we just trashed the the class but there are some guys that we like um so let's get started with a guy who made both of our lists uh i think the only guy who made both of our lists yeah um devin vassell we've talked about a lot obviously from the wing from florida state uh i think even last week we talked about him in pretty good depth but just a sensational team defender uh so so instinctual like makes these these long long rotations to make plays is like just unbelievably impactful as a dig guy just covering tons of ground and then successfully closing out um and then i i really i do think that his creation upside is a bit underrated just on account of there is a chance that he's a pretty high level shot maker uh his long two numbers this year off the dribble were pretty ridiculous uh, he's got a super high release on his jumper. Um, and while while his passing numbers weren't sensational this year, uh, I do think he has some vision that is perhaps suppressed at Florida State and in time could definitely manifest in some nice playmaking. Uh, so just a guy who I don't think that he's necessarily safe in the way that some would indicate because I don't think it's an absolute lock that he's a great spot up shooter because his mechanics are a bit funky. He's got like a behind the head uh like set on on the left side as a as a righty shooter and i as we've discussed before a lot last week um i think there are ways that you mess up his defensive deployment if you're not enabling him off the ball because on the ball his lateral movement is is a little questionable due to some high and narrow hips and just his body is is fairly underdeveloped for for a sophomore um but devin vassell just brilliant brilliant player so fun to watch uh and just like i mean fsu is a joy and i'll be mentioning another fsu guy shortly yeah and even one of my favorite things about vassell is that last season he was just this spot up exclusive offensive player with really excellent indicators and the occasional flash of team defensive brilliance and that's why people like myself were very in on him coming into the season and like this being in was relative like being being top 30 ish was kind of wild um back then 
um, as someone who has Vassal in the top 10 pretty comfortably at this point, and he's kind of there um, in draft from many draft Twitter people, and he's definitely rising in the mainstream. But yeah, Devin, Devin Vassell has just overhauled his game this year to this high-volume pull-up shot maker. I remember in the first game they played the season, I think it was against Pitt, where where Vassell, I think he hit five pull-up jumpers, and everyone was so shocked and confused. I'm pretty sure after hitting one all of last year. I remember watching yeah. that game, and I was flipping out, because like Ben, I was a huge uh, Vassell guy coming into the year, had him as like a top 35 guy, and then all of a sudden, this is a guy who who's just draining uh, pull-up jumpers, and you know, on the wing, that's pretty exciting, and he maintained it for the whole year, and that's why we're talking about him as as a surefire lottery guy, and I think for both of us, a top ten guy. Yeah, I think he absolutely belongs in that top tier of prospects. You don't find guys who are as good as who are as good team defenders as him with the sort of shot creation, self creation potentially has. I think he's probably a little underrated as a passer too. We probably talk about this at some point, but even though he's, his decision-making is a worry and he can't really blow by anybody, I think his vision's better than he gets credit for. And he's just really not, not put in situations to, to make plays and to make passes. And he, he has shown some ability to make reads when he's given the leash. And I'm interested to see if there's some untapped potential there at the next level. Yeah. Vassell is awesome. Absolutely love him. Um, very excited to see where he lands because he could definitely be in a position to land on a pretty good team and, an impact winning pretty early in his career um, and later in his career as well. So. Do you want to you want to do one of yours now? Uh, sure, I'll do my first guy. And my first guy who I love is Tyrell Terry, a Stanford freshman point guard. Who I wasn't I wasn't really sure if he was going to actually um, enter his name, but he did enter his name. And indications seem like he might actually stay in because his stock has been rising. Um, yeah, Tyrell Terry is very scrawny freshman at Stanford. Um, wasn't really touted as a prospect coming into the year, just an incredible, incredible shooter. I mean, so we, we talked about him on, on episode one, the first episode of this podcast. Um, the max was lower and I was higher, but yeah, Terry is just, I'm um, like, like almost uh 40, 50, even though that's not super relevant. Um, he, just incredible free throw shooter, um, incredible off the ball shooter, accomplished pull up shooter. You just don't see guys with his combination of shooting, of shooting and what makes him special at his size is his finishing where he was just one of the best guard finishers in the country at his size, or at least in the class, like around 60% of the room in the half court, which for a six, one player with his level of physical tools is an incredible testament to his touch and his body control and his finishing craft. And this, even though Terry is going to have, is going to have a long way to go in the NBA to, to really be an impactful player because he's just so physically limited. I mean, he he doesn't look like a guy who's going to be able to put on that much muscle just with his frame. I'm, I'm no expert in this area, but compared to other guys who are just scrawny or in general, uh, maybe more long and scrawny, Terry is just it's just like pretty small frame-wise. And oh, I'll mention, he also, he also like a really legitimately act, impactful off-ball defender. Like he'll play at the nail he'll jump he'll jump passes the role he's just incredibly fun to watch and in Stanford's offense he would often get going off movement and hit crazy deep jumpers and make and make some really really impressive finishes and passes and um, probably not a guy who can contribute right away but someone who's just a joy to watch and um, if he does come back next season I'd be very excited to watch him with Zaire Williams I believe did commit to Stanford um Yes, I believe he did commit to Stanford. Uh, and if not, excited to see where his NBA career ends up taking him. Yeah. Um, 
I think that uh, we've we've discussed this before, but one of the things that makes Terry very interesting in this class is that he's like the one guard who can shoot, can get to the rim, and can finish at the rim. But I think that the at the very least getting to the rim in the NBA kind of vanishes uh, because he doesn't have the handle or strength to get there. Um, and then, I mean, burst is another question, but I think with added strength, that would maybe even look a little better. It's just that he gets bumped off spots so easily because he's so weak. Uh, and, and like Ben said, don't know how that strength develops, uh, just has a really bad frame. Uh, and I think he's someone who's just going to have to be schemed for offensively more that he's going to have to have looks generated for him off the ball. Uh, but down the road could be someone who is a nice compliment to a jumbo initiator, something that we've kind of talked about with like, uh, Devon Dotson before. Um, so that, that kind of archetype, I don't think it's necessarily the most valuable thing, but like we said, Terry is really smart and a pretty ridiculous shooter. Uh, and and a very skilled finisher. So I mean, it's a nice combination of skills. Definitely has some like conceivable upside in a class that's that's lacking that. I just think that there there are pretty severe limitations on him physically. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to get to your next guy. Yeah, let's go with another guy with severe uh, physical limitations, but in a very different way. Uh, Devin Vassell's FSU teammate Patrick Williams. Uh, I just I mean I love smart help defenders and Patrick Williams is a very smart help defender. He's really just a great interior uh, defender because he, he's really good with verticality and he's just enormous. Um, I think that defending the perimeter obviously will be a very big problem. Like we've talked about uh, his, his hips are awful. They're slow and, and he just overturns egregiously. And I mean, even when he does close out well, which is, which is kind of rare, uh, there's just nothing he can do because of the speed of his hips. Um, that said, I think that that his interior defense is really, really valuable. And as just like a a guy who I think can shoot spot ups and attack closeouts, he like he's bursty. He's kind of just a weird athlete in that like he's fairly vertically exposed, like fairly vertically bouncy, and is is legitimately bursty, but then also like can't turn his hips or really move laterally. So he's, he's just kind of a weird athlete. Um, but youngest, uh, youngest NC NCAA player in the draft, uh, and just very smart with, with, uh, like a great frame and the occasional flash of off the dribble shooting or, and some, some pick and roll passing. I, those probably won't be parts of his game, but just translating that to a role where he's attacking closeouts and can make decisions. Uh, I just I like him as a, as a complimentary piece, someone that I've I've lowered on definitely. Just have to be a little more realistic about his limitations, but I think that he uh, it, with in the right situation definitely next to like a a you know floor stretching big who who needs some help protecting the rim. Uh, Patrick Williams is a great option. Yeah, I'm curious to see how his NBA team wants to use him on offense because at this point he really is this massively flashes heavy guy i mean I've, i have a fair amount of confidence in his jumper though the volume isn't wonderful he's a really good free throw shooter and the mechanics are pretty solid so, so i think he'll shoot spot ups but the question is how else is he going to be used i mean he was almost never used as a roller but i wonder if there's some some avenues there to, to have him roll with just given his frame and his ability to finish around the rim um so there's definitely going to be some interesting ways that a team could use him and hope to develop his other skills because if he can really develop a more reliable uh dribble and be a more reliable passer, um, even secondarily or just an off-ball passer attacking closeouts. He could be a genuinely good offensive player. And 
someone who maybe outperforms his value in this draft, just given his youth, given his youth as well, and how young he is, and being actually good at defense is is pretty rare for, for players his age, and being as good as he is, and having the flashes he does offensively. So yeah, just a really really exciting player, um, and someone who um, I am a big fan of as well, even though that's, that's not made my list necessarily. All right, do you want to you want to do one that is on your list? Sure, yeah. I'll go with my next guy, and that's Josh Green, um, Arizona State freshman, who we talked about, um, was it last week or two, was, weeks, ago? two weeks, weeks ago? Two weeks ago, we talked about uh, the Arizona guys who declared. Declared for the draft, looks like he's going to stay in. I just I, I, Josh Green caught my eye um, before uh, as um, in high school with IMG. Um, I remember the first game I watched of him was against Anthony Edwards' Holy Cross team. And he just stood out as just this monster team defender who made these incredible rotations and had these incredible closeouts. And that 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 kind of stuck at Arizona. Um, I know people are kind of all over the place on his defense, at least I think, but I'm definitely on the upper end there. I, I really buy his team defense. I think he's awesome. He's so instinctual, really smart rotations. Closeouts are just incredibly good. And I think the the value of that's understated. Offensively there's 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 definitely questions um with his with his jump shot mechanics and with his ability to actually get to the rim and finish despite him having a pretty proficient runner and being quite a good passer, but just like a, a guy who can hopefully shoot spot-ups, pass and play incredible team team defense is is fun and I'm certainly interested to see how how he translates to the next level cuz there were like pretty stark changes from from high school to college where in high school he was an uninspiring free throw shooter. I didn't really have this runner game that he showed at Arizona. And also in high school, he had this this random habit of of throwing underhanded lob passes. I'm not sure if you remember that, but that, Yes, that I was, do remember that. Yeah. I, yeah, that was, that really was weird. fun. That, it was it was strange and fun to see. Did didn't really do it in Arizona. Probably probably would have been benched the moment he did. But <laughs> Um, just, just a very fun player, someone I enjoy watching a ton and I have a lot of belief in as like a complimentary player if he shoots though, but the shooting is definitely a question as, as we talked about on that, on episode eight, um, shooting important for him, but a, a player I enjoy a ton and someone who I hope, who I hope, hope the best for. So. In this class, I have a desire to move everyone down because they're not great. And I kind of feel like I'm just going to end up defaulting to having Josh Green, kind of high by that i mean too high most likely i don't want to you know relitigate the josh green debate we did that on on episode eight i think in pretty decent depth um i'm i think i'm just more skeptical of the offense than you particularly uh shooting and finishing uh just a wildly right hand dominant player uh but yeah i I would say just listen to episode eight because we we went in in pretty good depth on on josh green yeah, Josh um, next, I'll do my probably my single favorite guy in the class, and I, I guess like the the last of my guys who would qualify as like a complimentary talent, uh, and that's uh, Michigan State senior, uh, Michigan State center uh, Xavier Tillman. Uh, I love Xavier Tillman so much. Uh, just a brilliant, brilliant player. So smart. Um, so strong. Yes, he is an undersized five. But he is just like he was probably the strongest guy in college basketball this year. Just ca- like cannot be moved by anyone, even guys with significant uh, like height and maybe even weight on him. Uh, and he has enough length, I hope, to to play the five. 
the problems with him definitely doesn't have enough vertical uh and it's just it's just really frustrating but he is so anticipatory and smart and um so well prepared for his matchups that like in the post for example he knows a guy's tendencies he knows that a guy wants to go over one specific shoulder and he'll beat guys you know to that spot within the post like i'd recommend he did a a film room with uh our friend john chepkevich and um it was really good uh, xavier tillman is as smart as you'd think that he is uh just a really thoughtful and insightful guy and i'd recommend that highly but he's just I think he has the intelligence to not just survive, but to thrive. And then offensively, I, do, I think that he's pretty interesting in that he is a very, very good passer, uh, particularly on the short roll, which is where you need guys to be great passers in the NBA. Uh, and he's not it's not like he's just locked in on the weak side corner. Like he is aware of the entire floor. He will find wherever the you know the compromise in the defense is and he will pick out the open shooter. Um, and he's just incredibly reliable in that regard and incredibly fast making those decisions. And I think the speed of decisions is, is something that's definitely underrated because windows open and close so quickly in the NBA. And I, and he's not just, he's not just limited to passing on the short roll. Like I think he'll be a very potent DHA, DHO player because he can, he can really handle the ball and you can trust him to, you know, evaluate and make decisions. And then, it, I mean, it's just like things like enabling pick and roll and, and DHOs because he's such a good screener. Like he's probably the best screener in the class. Uh, and he's just, he's very, he's very, um, you know, apt to, to like switch angles and, and flip the direction of the screen. And he's just, he does all of the little things. He, he probably needs to shoot. Uh, and I, I, I haven't fully ironed uh, like out the explanation for, for why he's, he's been, such a unsuccessful shooter. I think he, he just, he needs more rhythm to him for sure. He's very hesitant. Uh, and it seems like his wrist is a little, a little like over-involved. Uh, and he does tend to shoot like a flat ball sometimes, but I, I think that it's, it's workable to the point where if you really, if you can get him shooting at a pretty good level, like Xavier Tillman is going to be a really good big man in the NBA. Yeah, and just given how great he is at everything else and how clearly smart and insightful and self-aware he is, like like Max said, go watch his film room with our friend John. Um, just very self-aware and like understands what he what his limitations are. And I think like like he's a guy that of guys with without inspiring indicators, um, he's a guy that that I'd put my faith in to eventually learn to shoot over other guys. Just a guy who we know is gonna work hard. Um and is going to keep trying to develop. And it's hard to be super privy to that information um, without knowing these players. But and Tillman just seems like the type of player who is going to keep working and get better. And even if even if he doesn't shoot, I think he definitely carve out a niche as as a, a, a rotational big. Like you said, if he if he can hit spot ups and force defenders to to actively close out on him, because like you said, he can really dribble the ball and and pass on the move. He could be a really valuable big on both ends, and that's just not easy to find. Yeah, even if if he doesn't shoot, I think the only thing that he needs to be like a really valuable. Um, high leverage situation big is that he needs to come out on the higher end as uh, of his like movement projection because he moves okay he can't really stop quickly uh but he does 
I think his hips aren't too slow and he has very solid recovery tools, particularly the length to go and, and get guys uh, and block them from behind. Uh, but I, that's very important. I wonder even if, if he's a guy who could, who could, you know, benefit from even dropping a little weight uh, because he is so freakishly strong anyway that, that he can, he could maybe hold up at a bit of a lighter weight and then would be a bit better vertically and a bit more mobile. Uh, so definitely something to look into with him, but just like a wildly dominant college basketball player. I think he had the highest BPM in the nation this year uh, and was up there last year, just an, an insanely good basketball player. And I mean, just, it's not always as simple as draft good players because there are physical limitations that matter. Like Marcus Howard is a very good college basketball player, but we're not going to be advocating for drafting Marcus Howard because there are obvious physical limitations, but with Xavier Tillman, I, I think it's worth a chance just because especially the, the high leverage big is such a, a tough thing to find uh, and is so valuable if you do. Uh, and so I'm, I'm very in on Xavier Tillman. I'm trying not to get too carried away with him uh, and put him too high, but just as a personal favorite, he's I think he's number one for me, and I do think that he's a very good prospect. Yeah, and I'll quickly say regarding his movement, I mean, considering he's, what, like 250 and just... Yeah, he's like 6'8", 245. He's 6'8", 245 with the 7'1 wingspan. Yeah, he definitely does move acceptably well for that size. Yeah, I, I, I'm interested to see how, how cutting weight... Um, could improve his mobility because being able to be a monster defender in the low post is not as premium as it is in college basketball where he's going up against Luca Garza and Daniel Tour and players like that every week where he he whooped Garza and Garza is a huge human being like like I don't worry about him from a like defending the interior one-on-one all that much at all like he will get finished over on occasion but like people can't move him these these strongest men in college basketball like the things that he did to Luca Garza and to John Teske should like should have qualified as crimes like it <laughs> he just embarrassed them and like yeah. those are guys with legit NBA center size I I don't I don't really worry about that too much it's it's more like can he move at an acceptable enough level? Because, I mean, like we've said, if you have a 7-1 wingspan and you're strong and you're just in the right places, like you're going to be pretty valuable defensively. It's just a matter of can he really get up high on the floor and and like contain guards at the NBA level, If he's especially if he's going to be playing in crunch time. Yeah, one last thing. He, I mean, he even gave Kofi Coburn, Illinois freshman, who's like seven foot, yeah. three hundred pounds, some trouble, which is just incredible given his size and just like how incredible his leverage and and core and lower body strength is. Yeah, we, we spent enough time talking about Tillman. Yeah, um, yeah love we Tillman. Went, we went Again, too long. <laughs> not on my list, but fantastic as we tend to do. Before we go any further, I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors here, Simply Safe. With home security, there's two ways you can go about protecting your home. There's the traditional way, where you wait weeks for a technician to do a messy installation that costs a small fortune, or there's the other way, Simply Safe. Simply Safe is everything you need in a home security system. It's award-winning protection, two-time winner of CNET Editor's Choice Awards. Go to simplysafe.com/team today, and you'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Go now and be sure to go to simplysafe.com/team. That's simplysafe.com/team. Uh, so yeah, I'll go to my next guy who I'm not even sure if we've talked about this guy on the pod yet. And that's Skylar Mays, um, LSU senior. Um, just, just, just a fantastically fun player. Um, he's the issue. I mean, Skylar Mays is six foot five and he's not particularly athletic. 
So that that's going to put a cap on things for him right away. But he is just an incredibly good ball handler. His ball handling control is pretty ridiculous. Uh, really loses the ball. Incredibly tight handles, stringing moves together. Has has like a signature spin move where he's so controlled um, playing on a defender's leverage and spinning off them to, to get away and make make them look silly. Um, he routinely beats guys who are quite quicker than him with, with that handling, and he's so strong and, and technically gifted as a driver, um, getting low and using the off-arm. And he's a really talented finisher as well. Um, he shot like 80s in the free throw percentage all four years um 85 percent this year on good volume and nearly 40 percent from three with plenty of difficult shots off movement pull-ups um from way beyond the nba line offensively um despite being not so athletic is quite complete um also a quite good passer as well and defensively like i said the the athleticism and the size are concerns for skylar mays but he's he's quite smart and he gets a lot of steals and he's and his positioning is is very very good. Um, Maze also he, he I mean he, he kept the 4.0 all four years of, of college, and he's majoring and he's majoring in kinesiology, I believe, which is no easy feat, um, as anyone who's done college will know. Um, just 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 an, just a really good guy, um, seemingly really smart on and off the on and off the court. Someone I'd bet on to keep working and keep improving. And someone who's absolutely incredibly fun to watch. Um, and someone who's very, very good at basketball. I don't have too much to add. Uh, he's There are a lot of good combo guards, uh, but I think Skylar Mays is probably an NBA player. Uh, and, and, I mean, kind of like to the same idea of what I mentioned earlier about just kind of defaulting to having some guys high because the class is so bad. Like a guy who, who seems like a solid bet to be an NBA player is someone that you can't have that low in this class. Uh, Skylar, he's like a little stiff for me, but yeah, just yeah, a, a good all around player. Um, with with like some you real utility on and off the ball. I think, uh, just a solid bet to be an NBA guy. Yeah, Skylar is really really good and probably will get drafted this year. So yeah, I would think so. Yeah, and he, sh- he should he should get drafted. No, yeah, absolutely. I yeah, I have him. I think like late first, early second type of range. Um. I know that's probably yeah. like k- kind of mid for draft Twitter. I think um, I think there are some people that are even a bit higher than that, which I think you can't get too high on him because of his just ceiling limitations. Um, probably not going to be anything incredibly special as an NBA player, but likely a role player and a competent one nonetheless. Which, like we said, in this class is is not something that that should be taken for granted. Yeah. Uh, okay. Now on to my last two, definitely higher upside guys. Uh, I'll go with Killian Hayes first. We don't need to go in in too much depth on him. We talked about him uh, a good amount last week, um, and was I think also a previous one uh, when he declared. Uh, but de- but definitely check out last week's episode for some discussion of of how he needs to be used uh, so that he doesn't fail because he does he de- he does need to be put in the right team context. Nonetheless, uh, oversized point guard who is very smart and a highly manipulative an intelligent passer, uh, just the, the type of thing that I really like. Um, I think the thing that probably goes under discussed with him is his interesting defensive potential. Uh, yes, on the ball, but I mean primarily off the ball uh, because he is instinctual and highly impactful as a guy who can like shut down drives with, with stunts from like from the nail and, and even make some plays with his, with his size. Uh, 
but but just as a as a guy who I think can have pretty significant impact on both ends of the floor, uh, like we talked about last week, a guy whose off ball offensive game does need to be cultivated. But um, if that happens, I think can be a pretty scalable and just you know just a winning player, just someone who who is is helping you win games. Yeah, I think your turnaround on Killian Hayes is quite funny because you were very out on Hayes before the season. I know, I remember at this point um, where weren't you, weren't you gonna like write about some? You were gonna write about him and Trey Mann in regard to initiator. Oh and, yeah, and how Trey Mann has fallen. Because yeah, um, Killian and Trey Mann. Yeah, I remember this. I never ended up doing it, but yeah, they're like sort of the opposite. They represent opposite ends of the spectrum and like your philosophy on initiators because Trey Mann had like pretty much nothing but insane change of direction and ridiculous pull-up shooting and Killian had pretty much nothing but but intelligence is not fair to him and and never was but but he was just like to the extreme of intelligence and to the you know extreme negative of shooting outcomes at the time and uh athleticism to use a blanket term that we don't like but but just like explosiveness um so yeah, yeah, I think they were they were pretty, uh, like, you know, they were different on opposite poles of of the spectrum. And yeah, Killian Hayes, he's a lot better than Trey Mann. Yeah, oh man, uh, yeah, Trey Mann um, is definitely just not big enough or athletic enough or can good, burst or enough. Good enough. That's that's a, or, or or good enough. Hey, he, he he still does like a really cool dribble move. That, like, no, some some of game. the change of direction stuff from him is like still pretty nasty. Yeah, I mean, uh, and I think I thought like he did look pretty bursty at times, um, but I just like you have to be a really good decision maker at that size. Yeah. And he's like he's, Tyrell Terry, but worse in terms of the burst and frame stuff. I mean, I I don't know that he has a worse frame than Tyrell Terry. I think but, so. I don't know. I don't know. Well, this, it's this, not good. We're, we're, we're too far. Well, yeah, this we'll is supposed to be it. our short episode. We'll save it for minutes. another episode. All right. So, yeah, Killian Hayes um, has improved vastly um, yes. over the season, though. And like you said, I was definitely not as not as out as Max, but I wasn't super big on Killian Hayes coming in. Has improved starkly. Um, has put himself in connection for the being the best prospect in this class, and that says a lot considering where he started. All right, so I'll get to my last guy. That's a guy who we've both kind of come on to recently, and that's Tyshawn Alexander, Creighton, Creighton wing, Creighton combo guard, um, who has declared, and I believe he announced that he has intended to stay in the draft. So Tyshawn Alexander is going to stay in the draft, which is interesting because he hasn't generated much, much buzz. But yeah, Alexander is just a really fantastic defender. Um, has incredible feet. We, we talked about him before on the on the show, but um, just like go watch the game against um, Miles Powell's happened where he just he just obliterated him. Um, at, like Powell could get nothing against against Alexander with with how incredibly quick his feet and how good he is mirroring, and that's saying a lot because Miles Powell, although he had a down year, um, is still a pretty incredible off ball mover. And just a, a, a potent offensive player at the college level, and then offensively, I mean, he does a little bit of everything. He can sh- he can shoot the ball, um, high eighties free throw shooter, um, and has some pull up, some pull up and off movement to his game. Um, can pass a little bit. Um, not not like the worst athlete in the world, and can get downhill a little bit. Just uh, like as a three and D combo guard type, which again is not the most exciting archetype, but in a similar vein to Maze, a guy who's probably going to be an NBA player because of his defensive and shooting ability and. Those are the shooting, especially is something that the NBA is going to catch on to. And then he's going to surprise people by just locking down all of the really good movement shooters because 
he's she's incredibly quick on his feet, changing directions and maneuvering around screens off the ball. Yeah, Tyshawn, um, c- kind of surprised that he's elect. I, I believe he's elected to stay in, and I'm kind of surprised at that because um, Creighton would have been really good next year. But I'm still excited to see where he goes, and just a really fun player to watch, and kind of a different way because you don't really see guys with his off-ball movement um, in terms of defense. Um, he's just kind of a rare, a rare outlier skill, and just someone who's, who's really interesting to watch and fun. I think there are a few guys that are like patron saints of the Prep to Pro podcast. <laughs> Tyshawn Alexander is absolutely one of them. Um, yeah, we we we've done the whole Tyshawn thing before. He's really good. Not not the most valuable archetype, but uh, pretty solid bet to be an NBA guy. And at a certain point, like who who cares? You know, if you're taking a shot on a guy who has the fringiest of chances to be really good. You know, at, at a certain point, just drafting a guy who's going to be an NBA player, even if he's in the grand scheme of things, kind of unspectacular, uh, is is absolutely worth it. And uh, I think Tyshawn Alexander is a, a very good bet to be an NBA player. Absolutely. So it's your last guy, I think. Okay, ba- yeah, back to the other end of the spectrum. One of those guys <laughs> who I do think it's worthwhile uh, taking a – uh, an upside bet on and and I, I guess sort of probably another patron saint of the prep to pro podcast uh leandro bolmaro uh <laughs> of fc barcelona um one of the few guys in this class that i think has real creation equity in that he is able to generate advantages with his handle and his burst uh and then he's able to capitalize on it and he is a really impressive functional manipulative passer um so i just I think of the guys that are sort of the internationals that are billed as having like jumbo creator equity, like Pokashevsky, Denny and Bomaro are like the ones I'm thinking of. I think the only one with real creation equity is Bomaro because he actually has the handle and burst to pressure a defense um, in the half court. Like Bomaro could, could very well end up being bad. Uh, he just might not be able to score. Like he, he, like the finishing is not good enough for his play style, and obviously the pull-up shooting is not good enough for his play style. Uh, but if either of those things really come along, like he could be really, really good. Um, like has some of the probably most interesting outcomes in this entire class, which is why I have him as a, as a top ten guy now. Um, but. Yeah, I like I think listening to last week's episode would definitely be worthwhile because if he's a guy who's just thrown onto the wing on both sides of the ball because of his size, he will probably fail. Uh, but if if he's drafted to a team that maybe stashes him and allows him to you know work as more of a creator overseas and refine that part of his game, or brings him in and you know, really empowers him by giving him the ball, like FC Barcelona did when he was playing with with the big team uh, or, or with the, the second division team. Uh, I, th- I think there's a real chance that he could be one of the, one of the better players from this class. Uh, so it, he's, he's definitely a gamble. There are a lot of outcomes where he is not good, uh, but I think a gamble worth taking and a guy who I find wildly entertaining to watch. Yeah, and also I think it's a, a, a point worth expanding on a little bit that the fact that Bomaro was able to contribute and still be a positive player um, with with big the big Barcelona um, in, instead of the instead of his the second team and that they actually entrusted him with some creation responsibilities and of course defending the point of attack where he's stifling as we've talked about 
Um, he was entrusted with those responsibilities playing with Barcelona against some very good competition. And he, and he held up for the most part, especially at his age, which is really impressive. Um, I think a lot of, you see a lot of lower level prospects um, come up to their team playing with the, to the the first team playing either in Euro League or in their main domestic league, and just either be a guy who kind of sits in the corner on offense or just doesn't play very much. But Bomaro doesn't do that; he actually contributes. That's just another point in his favor. Like Max said, I- incredibly fun to watch. Um, probably one of my favorites. I pro- probably should have been on this list and would have. I, I just didn't want to have as many overlapping guys. Yeah, but, like. I mean, what you mentioned yeah. with, with Barcelona and trusting him to create, like, Denny could well be, probably even will be a better NBA player than Leandro Balmaro. But I think what's telling is that when, when Denny played uh, with Maccabi, it, both in domestic league, which is a much lower level of competition, and EuroLeague, he plays in a strictly complementary role where he is standing in the corner a lot. And he's not entrusted to create because he can't create at that level. And he certainly can't create at the NBA level. And while I think it's equally telling that Denny actually played with his with his team, uh, with the big club at all times, and including in EuroLeague, and played a large role and played pretty well, um, I think it's very telling that that he, you know, played in a a role that was pretty devoid of creation. Uh compared to Bomaro, who on the occasions that he was with the main FC Barcelona team, he was entrusted to play on the ball on both, on both sides of the floor. Uh, and I, I mean, it speaks to, I think the differential in, in creation upside between the two of them that, uh, you know, whether that, I, I'm not saying that means that you have to have Bomaro ahead of Denny. I totally understand the argument for Denny. Uh, just, I think strictly as like guys with creation upside, I think that like Denny has has very little of that that equity that that I think is definitely. I mean, if you're taking him in the top five, you you expect him to have. Whereas Bomaro, like very very legitimately, has has a chance to be that type of guy. Yeah. So those are all of our our favorites. So why don't we get onto our catching eye guys, guys who we've been watching recently that we have opinions on. So Max, would you like to go with your first? Sure. Let's try to try to keep this, I guess, kind of brief. I'll just quickly mention Devonte Jordan, uh, guard at Buffalo. He's a, a senior, uh, just very impressive athlete, just a slippery guy, good finisher, pretty impressive passer. But, and this is a large but, he is a guard who is a career 40.7% free throw shooter. Um, so yeah, that's probably not going to work. Uh, Nonetheless, uh, impressive athlete, just like impressive pretty much in every other regard except for the shooting. Yeah, yeah. I had a feeling this would come up after knowing you were watching Neesmith the last couple of days because yeah. that, that Buffalo game, everyone's like, wow, just goes through the, the, the cycle with where they are. They're amazed by his ability to change directions and then they go look up his, his stats and they're uh, immediately, and they immediately stop taking notes on him. So, yeah. all right, so... I have two quick guys um, in who are both similar. Uh, the first one is Shakur Shakur Justin. I think may have butchered that um, grad transfer, I believe, or even a grad transfer, but transferred to Oregon this this year, and he's just an incredible team defender. I mean, pops in every single Oregon game that you watch um, as a team defender. Um, makes makes long rotations, aggressive running in the post for steals rotates to protect the rim is pretty mobile for his size and at, at six foot eight about 
I believe six foot seven, six foot eight, can really move um, on the perimeter and in the interior. Offensively, he can also really pass the ball too. He's a quick decision maker. Um, can move the ball, make some pretty impressive interior passes. And that's kind of where the goodness stops with him and where it becomes apparent that he's not really an NBA prospect because, one, he's one he's 24 and will be 24 at the beginning of his NBA, his theoretical NBA career, and he's and he shot in the 50s at the free line this year. So just, just a guy with that combination of – being unable to shoot in age, um, kind of, kind of TJ Holyfield ish in that vein. Who I think we might have talked about, but yeah, but like worse, worse as yeah. a shooter. Yeah, worse shooting at, at TJ Holyfield, which just dampens his chances even more. So, yeah, not not very good. I'm not sure you any takes there, but I don't really have. I don't really have a strong take. I I just like never really took him all that seriously because of the shooting at his age and size. Um, the other guy I wanted to mention quickly, um is is a much bigger name Cassius Winston just while watching uh a lot of Xavier Tillman recently Cassius Winston is so good like he's a guy I've been skeptical of in the past just because of his size and athleticism and honestly I've like never really loved his vision as a passer like he is a good passer but I don't think that his vision is otherworldly um but what is otherworldly is his shooting uh he is just an outrageous shooter um and and I know something we've mentioned a lot in the past is that we don't really value guys that are pretty strictly backup point guards just because they're so like it is the most replaceable thing in basketball. Just as far as guys who like are going to be NBA players, Cassius Winston will probably be an NBA player. Uh, like I don't think a very good one or a very valuable one or one that's you know too hard to replace. But that guy is just a sensational shooter. Um, and and a real prospect, you know, in, in spite of his physical limitations. Yeah, I think I'm probably a bit higher on his passing than you are. I do enjoy his passing quite a bit, and he does some really fun things as a passer. Um, but yeah, just ridiculous shooting. I mean, across his career, though he though he had like a down year this year by his standards, still quite good. Just just over the four year sample, just absolutely fantastic uh, shooting the basketball. And if you have nothing else to say on him, I will go with my last guy, um, another very good shooter, and a guy who's been generating some hype in the mainstream recently, and that's Sam Merrill, uh, Utah Utah State senior guard. Um, is a really, really good shooter. Shot like high 80s from the free throw line all four years. Great, great shooting percentages. Has legit versatility and can pass um, a little bit um, off the ball at six foot five, but really is super uninspiring athletically, can't really get to the rim or finish, and defensively is nothing special. But he's been, like, like, like there have been multiple, like, bigger-name basketball people who have seen who have been, have been praising him a lot recently, and it's a little bit confusing. I mean, Merrill is very good um, shooting the basketball, and because of that, he's going to have a chance to, to play in the NBA because of how much they put a premium on shooting. But he's just kind of surprising to see him as a guy Who's really break like kind of generating this mainstream hype as a guy? I mean, who played in the Mountain West, um, had like some notable moments, um, the game winner against San Diego State, but still not a really high profile player, and is going to be 24 um, by the time he's an NBA player, so incredibly old. Just someone who like like we talked about, this class is is so weak in terms of depth. Uh, in terms of depth, probably belongs like somewhere in the top 100 um, at some point, but just a guy who I'm curious. Um, to see where he ends up going because of this hype that he's generated recently. I kind of get it. Like, I, I, he's not an NBA athlete, 
But I feel like you could say that about a good amount of these shooters that, that make it. Uh, and he is a bonker shooter. Like he, what's what are his career numbers? It's forty-two percent on almost six attempts a game. Like he's a really, really good shooter, and conceivably has like off-guard size. So I get it if you're sort of. I, I don't want to say chasing the next Duncan Robinson, uh, because I don't even know how like replicable of a thing that is. But uh, as as far as as a guy that you'd consider maybe as an undrafted free agent. Like I don't know, see see if you can if you can like squeeze enough athleticism out of him. I'm pretty skeptical, I guess. But the dude's an outrageous shooter. Yeah, and like I like we said, I I've seen some kind of some 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 opinions that he has some on the ball equity. Definitely wouldn't agree um, yeah. with that. Um, just just even if he showed some ability to run pick and rolls and handle at this level, just not athletic enough to do it at the NBA level and not skilled enough there. But yeah, uh, a, a ridiculous shooter, someone definitely worth getting as an undraft free agent, um, will be on summer league teams if that happens. Probably won't, but um, if that were to happen, he'd be on, he'd be on that radar. But yeah. Oh my Sam God, Curry. I didn't even think about summer league not happening. Yeah. Oh, that's it, so depressing. It's really depressing. I did really want to be there this summer. But... Oh man. Jeez, Ben. That... <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought about that, that, man. Well, maybe, maybe we'll maybe we'll have NBA during the summer. That would be nice. Yeah, that would be cool. But no, yeah, summer league is one of my favorite. Damn, you just ruined NBA my evening. Events. I'm sorry, Max. I didn't mean to do that. I do love the summer league. I I know you do too. Um, one day we'll have it back. But yeah, <laughs> didn't mean to ep- end the episode on a sour note, on uh, especially an episode of uh, of favorites. <laughs> so, um, a, a bit of a shorter one. Still not that short, but. Um, that's all we have for you today. Uh, make sure to follow the podcast at, at prep number two pro pod on Twitter. Um, make sure to rate review, subscribe, uh, leave five stars, say nice things about the pod. If you enjoy, um, you can follow me at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore on Twitter. Follow Max at Max a Carlin. Um, all right, Max, got anything else? Nope. I think we're good to go. I love that our, our that our our short episode is still an hour long. Clearly, a brevity is a strength for us. Yeah, um, maybe we'll fix that. We'll work on that in the future. If you want us to, let us know. <laughs> That's all we've got. Let let's end this while we can. Um, have a nice day. <laughs>